Hello and welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. I'm Howard Kaplan. This On Air podcast features attorneys from Myrick O'Connell, a full-service law firm with offices in Worcester, Westboro, and Boston. Today's topic, non-competition or non-compete agreements. The impact of Massachusetts Non-Competition Agreements Act, passed in October of 2018. Our guest, Richard Van Nostren, partner in Myrick O'Connell's litigation and labor and employment practice groups. Rich will discuss the Non-Competition Agreements Act. He'll describe the background of the reform efforts that led to the bill's passage in the Massachusetts legislature and the competing concerns that led to the ultimate compromises in the bill. Rich will also discuss what the act did and did not do, and what we've seen in the nearly two years since its passage. Richard Van Nostren, Rich, welcome back to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. Great to have you with us. Yes, thank you again for having me, Howard. Sure, our pleasure. So the first question right off the bat, Rich, would be, why was the Non-Competition Agreements Act passed? Definitely a great place to start. I would say that it originated with some general concerns that uh, uh, anybody reading about the act or the legislative effort uh, is probably familiar with, but it uh, starts from the general proposition um, of uh, many employees raising the question of, well, why should my employer have the ability to tell me that I can't work uh, after I leave him? Um, so there is that uh, general concern uh, that uh, made its way up to the legislature. But there are also a couple of other uh, concerns related to that. Uh, one uh, I, I'd like to refer to as uh, uh, entrepreneurial concerns. Another phrase I've coined was California envy. Uh, as uh, many of the listeners may know, uh, California has had a, a law in its books for many years uh, essentially banning non-competes uh, in that state. Uh, and uh, uh, many entrepreneurs and employees here in Massachusetts uh, looked at the California experience and said, why can't we do that here? Uh, and that will generate a lot of uh, entrepreneurial activity if we just eliminate them. Uh, and then the third uh, concern expressed on the, uh, from the perspective of employees that uh, uh, drove uh, the legislative effort was what I would consider to be a perception that there had been overreaching uh, by many employers in terms of uh, overuse of non-competition agreements over time. I have certainly seen it in my practice and more generally uh, where uh, non-competition agreements uh, used to be uh, used uh, somewhat sparingly in the high-tech arena with executive employees or salespeople. And over time, uh, more and more employers Um, started using them for many, many more employees. Uh, And uh, in the news, uh, as part of this uh, uh, reform effort, I think it was Jimmy John's was the uh, the sub shop that was basically having its uh, teenage delivery people sign non-competes. So uh, I think it was a combination of of those things. Uh, And as part of that uh, perceived overreaching, was a practice uh, among many uh, employers where the employee would not be aware that they would be asked to sign a non-compete when uh, they were made an employment offer, and then they would accept the offer, 
give notice to their uh, then current employer um, and then show up on the first day only to be presented with a non-competition agreement by the employer saying, well, you have to sign this or you can't start working. So the combination of those factors kind of drove it in the first place. Um, and uh, uh, those legislative efforts uh, really did, hadn't gained uh, much traction until near the end of the uh, Deval Patrick uh, administration as governor uh, when uh, his administration came out in support of uh, reform of uh, non-competition agreements. And that really started to spur more traction with respect to those reform efforts and in turn um, precipitated an effort on the part of employers at that time uh, led significantly by EMC uh, that you can't ban non-competition agreements uh, generally because we really need them to protect our proprietary information and trade secrets. So it was that sort of back and forth uh, between the two sides of that reform effort aided by, uh, uh, to some degree, uh, the Patrick administration's support uh, that really started the effort at the legislature that finally led to uh, the Non-Competition Agreements Act being passed in the summer of 2018. So, Rich, what did the law provide? So, there's a variety of aspects uh, to the law. Some of the most significant ones, uh, perhaps the most significant one, is that the Act did ban non-competition agreements uh, for use with non-exempt employees, um, employees who are uh, under the age of 19 and essentially student interns. The most significant piece of that uh, being uh, the ban on their use with non, uh, non-exempt non employees, essentially hourly employees. In comparison to that, um, the Reform Act did not uh, go as far as the California law uh, and did not ban non-competes generally, uh, so they were still uh, permissible uh, for use by employers with exempt employees. Uh, the act did include a provision that indicated that if an employer terminated an employee without cause or laid them off, then that invalidated the non-competition agreement, uh, which was a significant uh, change. Uh, the law, as I think you had mentioned before, became effective October 1st of 2018. It left intact any non-competition agreement signed before that date. It also imposed a variety of new requirements that had not existed before, including requirements of advance notice uh, to overcome the, the issue that I was mentioning before, essentially putting the employee in a position to be able to know that uh, they would be asked to sign a non-competition agreement before they uh, um, gave notice to their former employer. One of the other requirements uh, was with respect to the consideration that the employer would have to uh, uh, provide to the employee uh, in return uh, for the non-competition restriction. Also required what I would refer to as Miranda rights or a version thereof uh, requiring the employer notify the employee in writing uh, that he or she had the right to have an attorney uh, review the agreement before signing. There are a variety of limitations on uh, 
uh, the non-competition restrictions that were permitted. And then there are a variety of other provisions uh, as part of the law uh, that kind of fall in my mind under the old joke uh, about uh, what's a camel. A camel is a horse put together by committees. So this uh, act uh, was definitely the product of compromise among a variety of constituencies in the legislature uh, and applying pressure to the legislature. Rich, have there been misconceptions about the law? Yeah, and and since it was passed, uh, and certainly since it has become effective, I would say there are two um, very significant misconceptions that I hear in talking not only with clients, but everyone else. From the uh, employee side of the aisle, perhaps the most common uh, misperception is that what the act provided is that if an employee is required to sign a non-compete, then that includes a garden leave provision. What garden leave is, as reflected in uh, the new act, uh, is essentially a payment to the employee after uh, the employment has ended of 50% of the employee's base salary for the time period of the restriction. While that is in the law, it's not required under the law, uh, but many employees that I've spoken with did have that perception from the way it was uh, uh, reported that that automatically was part of the reform. On the employer side of the aisle, the uh, most common misperception was, uh, and I think it springs again from the reporting, which said non-competition agreements are not banned, so you can still use them. There was a misperception that Because they were not banned, what the Act now provided was simply the ability to have the same kind of an agreement that uh, an employer had before, with some of the exceptions that I'd mentioned uh, a minute ago. Uh, And that is very different uh, than what the Act actually provides, which includes a variety of new requirements and limitations on the restrictions. Can we drill down just a little bit, Rich? Uh, What protections did employers have before the law was passed? Yeah, so uh, prior to October 1st of 2018, there were essentially no broad-based statutes that govern non-competition agreements uh, in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So essentially what governed that area of the law was what's referred to as the common law, uh, meaning how courts uh, decide specific cases and the body of uh, case law that arises from that. Essentially, uh, under the common law prior to 2018, a court would uh, essentially look at an agreement, make a threshold determination as to whether it's a valid contract with consideration and mutual intent, would then look at whether or not the employer had a legitimate protectable interest upon which to base the non-competition restriction. And the common law basically held, and very consistent with other states across the country, that there are really only three. uh, Trade secrets, confidential information, such as a customer list, and goodwill. Uh, If the court found that there was a legitimate protectable interest, then a court would apply strict scrutiny to the agreement and say, well, relative to the agreement's restriction on the length of time that an employee can't compete or the territory or location where the employee can't compete or what the employee is restricted from doing, 
whether all of those restrictions uh, were reasonable in light of the interest that the employer was trying to uh, protect. So against that backdrop, I would say what the the act has done relative to that uh, background is to take what had been an employer-facing approach, which is essentially, well, where does the employer do business? What's the business that the employer is in? Uh, And the restrictions were built around those things. Under the new act, the provisions of the statute um, I consider to be employee-facing. So it's not so much where the company does business, uh, but it's where that employee either was located or had, as uh, the act provides, a material influence uh, with respect to the nature of the things the employee can't do under the act now, it has to be specifically related to what the employee, in fact, was doing for that employer in the last two years of employment. So it's really turned um, what had been the case prior to the act uh, of it being employer-facing to now being very much employee-facing. So, Rich, have you seen an impact since the passage of the law? I have. I would say probably the broadest impact that I've seen is that uh, with the passage of the new act, it has accelerated a decline in the use of non-competition agreements generally, even though it was always hard to get a court to enforce a non-competition agreement before passage of the act. Most employers who used them felt it was worth trying and therefore worth having their employees sign them. Now, with the number of new requirements that I'd mentioned before and the limitation on the way the employee can be restricted, I've seen a significant decline in the number of employers who actually want to jump through all those hoops to have their employees sign them on a broad-based perspective. So I've definitely seen many employers say, uh, and I think, frankly, that this was part of the intent of the legislature, is to say, rather than using a blanket non-competition agreement, which says you were in my industry before, you can't be in my industry after, many, many employers are now resorting to other types of restrictive covenant agreements, such as agreements preventing solicitation of the company's customers or solicitation of the company's employees or non-disclosure agreements, which basically prohibit the employee from either using or disclosing any of the employer's confidential information after uh, the employment has terminated. The other interesting component to it, uh, which kind of feeds into your question about uh, impact, is at the same time that the Non-Competition Agreements Act was passed, the legislature also adopted for Massachusetts uh, a new Trade Secrets Act uh, that was uh, much more uh, broad-based, much more specific um, relative to various prohibitions and protections. Uh, And my sense of uh, the legislative intent was, well, we're not going to eliminate the employer's ability to protect its trade secrets. So we will give employer some new enforcement mechanisms to make sure that the employee doesn't walk out the door with the uh, company's uh, confidential information uh, and trade secrets. So 
I certainly have seen the Trade Secrets Act be used much more aggressively. And I will say I've been part of that trend. And the use of the Trade Secrets Act has become uh, one of the primary uh, means of trying to protect the employer's interest. Now, have you seen, Rich, and you alluded to this just now a little bit, but have you seen any impact on litigation? I have in one way, uh, but not in another. Uh, The one way is uh, what I was just mentioning. Uh, Just to use an example, uh, without uh, naming any names or or any identifying information, uh, have a client who uh, always was philosophically opposed to using uh, non-competition agreements, uh, but had specific policies in place protecting their confidential information. They had an employee resign by email. Uh, minutes before uh, submitting his uh, email resignation, he basically emailed his personal email address, a number of uh, quotes and bids of employer. Client called me. We had discussion. Uh, we uh, ended up uh, filing suit against the employee based upon the Trade Secrets Act. We had the court schedule a hearing on our request for a preliminary injunction. The new employer, upon learning of uh, what that employee had done to us, essentially terminated that individual's employment. We were able to work out agreements. So by using the Trade Secrets Act uh, without even any need uh, for a non-competition agreement, we were able to provide the protection. So I think that was a a good example of how uh, litigation has changed a little bit in that regard. What I have not seen uh, is any litigation either in my own practice or any cases that have been publicly reported where a new agreement signed after October 1st, 2018 has been litigated. So relative to the act itself, doesn't appear that the rubber has yet met the road. Uh, I suspect that's probably because it's too early. Oftentimes, uh, these cases uh, have a long gestation period and uh, longer-term employment, uh, in part because uh, employers, in determining whether to take more aggressive action, uh, weigh how much of a threat the departing employee may be, uh, and where the act has been in place for less than two years. Just because of that, you're generally talking uh, short-term employees who may have uh, signed such an agreement. But I think more broadly, uh, fewer non-competition agreements are being used by employers these days. So there's less of an opportunity for them to uh, come up in litigation. The last thing I would uh, mention in that regard is, even though I haven't uh, either litigated myself or, or seen um, reference in other cases, to agreements signed after um, October of 2018. Uh, What I have seen is the argument made uh, in those cases along the lines of, well, Massachusetts passed this statute, so you shouldn't enforce the prior non-compete because the passage of the statute reflects the new public policy in Massachusetts, so the courts should give voice to that new public policy. Even though I've seen those arguments, uh, both in my own cases as well as uh, in other reported cases, generally speaking, uh, I haven't seen uh, any courts make a decision based upon that public policy argument. I suspect probably for two reasons. One is the statute 
expressly left prior agreements intact. Uh, so uh, it's hard to say there's a public policy contrary to that, uh, when in fact that's uh, the case. And the other thing is, more often than not, these cases are so dependent upon the specific facts uh, that judges generally uh, will focus on those facts as opposed to sort of a more esoteric public policy argument in deciding whether or not to prevent a person from working. That makes sense, Rich. We've been talking today about the Massachusetts Non-Competition Agreements Act, which went into effect in Massachusetts fairly recently in late 2018 with Myrick O'Connell partner Richard Van Nostren. Rich, thanks so much for joining us on the On Air with Myrick O'Connell program. Thank you. You're very welcome, Howard. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. How can folks contact you with questions or issues about this particular act or anything else? So uh, certainly the uh, the best ways to do it, uh, even in uh, these uh, coronavirus times, are either uh, by telephone or uh, by email, um, both of which are on our firm's website, myrockoconnell.com. Happy to uh, speak with uh, anyone who has a question, whether it be employer or employee, about this area generally or uh, specifically the Non-Competition Agreements Act. Great. Thank you so much again, Rich. I'm Howard Kaplan. On behalf of Myrick O'Connell and attorney Richard Van Nostren, thanks for joining us. Take care and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Myrick O'Connell. It is intended to inform you of developments in the law and to provide information of general interest. It is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. This podcast may be considered advertising under the rules of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. 